What is going on, everybody? Welcome into Anti Up. Howard Benner and Adam Ronis here, courtesy of Fantasy Alarm on the Sawdust Podcast Network. What's up, Adam? How are you today? Um, I feel like it's a, a good day for you. You know, Mets uh, Mets win both games of a doubleheader against the Rockies. Um, and, uh, you know, with the exception of Shohei Otani being scratched from pitching, but he is going to hit, we have no major injuries to report. Well, I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but Trevor yep. Story did leave today's game. You're with, the worst, dude. <laughs> well, we got to be transparent and honest here. But, yeah, Trevor Story did leave the game today. And it's uh, with a uh, arm tightness. Yo, and it's – so remember we had the discussion yesterday about all the teams in first place must have no injuries? Yes. So I went to check. I haven't done this. So I checked my home league. I'm like, all right, let me see who this guy has. I went to his roster. He has two players hurt. Alejandro Kirk and Chris Rodriguez, the reliever from the Angels. Two insignificant players. I said, how the fuck is that possible, man? Like, how lucky can you be? Those are the two guys you have hurt? And then I tweeted it out and I added him. And then he has Trevor's story. And then he messaged me. He's like, oh, look at this. I'm like, Stop, man. I don't want to hear it. I've had to cut guys who were hurt because I'm losing ground on offense. And I had to cut Brandon Belt and Harrison Bader. I didn't want to, but I can't get I can't continue to get no production. And it's not like the guys on the waiver are going to do much. But, um, yeah, I guess it was a good day as far as nothing major yet. I'm sure there's something we're missing. Aaron Hicks could be out for the year, but I guess that's not anything surprising, right? Um, no, no. And you had Manny Machado who again missed another game today. So, um, you could kind of lump that into it. Um, Cody Bellinger is going to be back Saturday. There's good news. And Gonsolin needs two more rehab starts. He'll be back. So not all is bad, right? Or maybe, oh, and Taiwan Walker is going to pitch on Friday for the Mets. So it's See, the Mets. look at you, that. You might not be ready. coming up roses. I know, everything's great. And Alec Manoa, phenomenal in his debut. Yeah, you know, you know, it's so funny. I was talking to, um, I was talking to Jim about this, uh, you know, not just on today's show, but on yesterday's show when, when Manoa was actually, you know, originally slated to pitch. And I, and I said, you know, because somebody asked me about starting Manoa uh, against the Yankees. And I was like, yeah, you know what? The Yankees traditionally do not do well against young pitchers making their debut. Like if they've got good stuff for whatever reason, man, like they, they, it's like they're, they're up even bigger for throwing against the Yankees and you know, and that's, that's what happens and that's what you see. And Manoa went what six innings today with, uh, with two hits, two walks, Seven strikeouts. I mean, it was a, uh, it was it was a gem. That was actually that was really well done by uh, by by Manoa, um, and and so yeah. I mean, listen, I, I yeah, I could sacrifice you know the win for the fantasy love that uh, that this kid's gonna get. Now the question is, is you know, I mean, you sit there and you ride Manoa. You know, we had a a, a trade call um, today. Let me ask you, uh, what was the uh, it was uh, Carlos Rodon and J.P. Crawford in exchange for Alec Manoa and Francisco Lindor. The guy who was uh, making this deal was trading away Carlos Rodon and Crawford to get Manoa and Lindor. What do you think about it? I probably would do that. I mean, Crawford's terrible. I know Lindor's been bad. I do think Lindor is hurt, too, by the Mets 
putrid lineup that they're running out there as Cameron Maben didn't get a hit again. What is he like? Oh, for 26 now. Something like that since he yeah. came to the Mets. So he's like, I mean, he's like Will Myers coming off the IL. So it's Over pretty it. bad for, so that does not help Lindor at all with the lineup surrounding him. And a lot of those guys don't look like they're going to be back anytime soon. Maybe Pete Alonso, but it doesn't look good for Nimmo, Conforto, McNeil, probably another month. I don't know. JD Davis had a setback. So uh, I probably would do that. I mean, Rodon, I think, is for real. I mean, the only question you have about him is the innings. But like we discussed yesterday, I don't care. I'm just going to – I'm sure you, you, you saw him pitch against the Yankees, right? I mean, this guy's just been – he's been dominant this year. It's insane how good he is. He's yeah. so tough to hit. So um, I'd probably make it – and it's more for the Lindor side, like Lindor over Crawford. I know you could compare their stats. You could tell – you know how bad Lindor is. You have him. I've seen him play – He's, he is hitting the ball hard. He had a line drive right at Marquez today, and Marquez picked it up through. He looked like he was kind of banged up but stayed in the game. So I've seen him, and, and his hard hit rate numbers are good. Um, but, yeah, I, I probably would make that deal. But I think another point that you brought up is that led me to think about it. And I was actually thinking about this the other day, and I guess when I started writing, I forgot about it. But how many teams are you really fearful of sending your pitchers against right now? There's really not many. Right. When you think about it, the Red Sox, okay, you you're questioning, do I put my pitcher against the Red Sox? I think we've gotten back to the point, especially as the Dodgers get healthy, you're worried. The Padres, but isn't that kind of it? Maybe the Astros, I don't know. Tampa's hot, but like they can be shut down. There's not a lot of offenses where you go, maybe Toronto and they're gonna go from Dunedin to Buffalo beginning, I think June first. So there's not many offenses where you're like, Yeah, I'm sitting my pitcher. Right? No, I mean, I, I wouldn't. No, I, I to me, obviously, I you know, you, you play a lot of matchups and you look for stuff like that. No, I wouldn't say that there's any lineup out there specifically that I'm like fearful of starting my pitchers against. But I mean, you know, I also I, I don't necessarily know if that's an indictment on offenses right now or if that's what we're looking at as far as the pitchers go. And the advantage that pitchers have right now, you know, this this whole, you know, dust up with uh, with with uh, uh, Schilt and uh, and Giovanni Gallegos and Joe West and the whole thing that went down with the Cardinals, you know, talking about this. I mean, you know, I find obviously, you know. Baseball needs to to fix something here. We You know, we deaden the ball, apparently raise the seam so that it helps improve the grip, which is why a lot of pitchers claim that they use foreign substances because they're just trying to improve the grip on these slick baseballs, which are always brand new. Right. So that's, you know, that's, the, that's the argument that the pitchers use. So, you know, we we've deadened the baseball, we've raised the seams, we've given the more advantage to the pitchers. Now we've also got, you know, this dust up here that says that every pitcher or all pitchers, well, every <laughs> shelf was like every pitcher, except for mine, obviously, but every pitcher is doing something, um, you know, concocted substances or, 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 or whatever it is that, you know, that they're getting an even bigger advantage right now. And yeah, I mean, listen, when you start seeing mediocre pitchers looking great, and I mean, there are a lot of mediocre pitchers out there who are looking fantastic. Let's say, like, you know, talk about uh, Robbie Ray pitching against the Yankees right now. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a strong lineup. Uh, you know, it's, it's back and forth now, right? It's four, three Yankees. Um, 
kind of ruined my whole point there because it was three to one five minutes ago. But nevertheless, I just I see a lot of mediocre. I'll tell you what. How about Austin Gomber? Uh, you know, good prospect and everything, and and I like him in the right matchup. And you know, there's a whole joke about him on the air. But you know, when these guys are throwing seven, eight innings and they're looking fantastic against you know big time hitters, that's you know to me it's well, a little, it, it, it's it's more an indictment on who the pitchers are as opposed to being fearful about what lineups they're facing. Well, it's that and looking at these averages that I don't ever recall these averages so low here on Memorial Day weekend. It's absolutely absurd. And, um, you know, the Athletic did a story on this uh, about May 21st. Uh, Ken Rosenthal and Brittany Garoli, and they had comments from players in there. And Real Muta was saying everyone has swing and miss stuff from top to bottom, and it's not because everyone got so much better in the last three years. To be honest, that stuff helps a lot. So – it's well known. Like guys are going to their gloves, their their belt. Um, you see the rosin on the cap. I mean, Garrett Cole does it all the time, and I'm not calling him out. I mean, so many pitchers are doing it. I mean, it's it's and some guys. Um, they had some anonymous quotes in there. Someone, an American League pitcher, said it's getting out of hand. When you watch some of these guys from the dugout, you can almost hear the ball ripping out of their hands. Guys are doing stuff now that you can't do to a baseball with just your hand. You just can't. Um, and yeah, it's a bunch of illegal foreign substances. And that's why you're seeing the average where they are, the strikeout rates. I mean, it's clearly going on. I mean, Bauer even talked openly like, well, hey, if these guys are going to do it, I'm going to do it too. And didn't they, what did they do? They confiscated a ball early this year. Heard nothing about it since. Heard nothing about it since, but you know, well, because you know, here, here's the They're thing. They're not going to do anything about it. I don't necessarily know if you can sweep this under the rug at this point. It, we are getting to the point, you're right, where it's becoming like, I think the casual fan doesn't know. We obviously know because we follow this stuff and you talk to Jim Bowden and we see the articles and we see the comments. But yeah, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And anyone, everyone knows it's going on. I mean, it's pretty clear. And the spin yeah. rates. Right. Well, that's that's the thing. And, you know, and that's that's the that's the issue is that you can't keep sweeping this under the rug. And if Schultz sitting there, you know, outing. As he said, baseball's dirty little secret, you know, something's going to have to be done about this because, you know, again, you're 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 screwing around just like just like pitchers got all sorts of pissed off with the uh, with the steroids and and the fact that these hitters were just these these big monster hitters were just clubbing home run after home run and 60 in a season and 70 in a season. And pitchers were like, this is fucked up because. You know, we we're we're sitting here, we're losing we're losing money because our ERAs are all ballooned up here. And great that baseball got its fan base back, but I mean, this is really this is fucking with us. And then we got onto the steroid kick of 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 testing and you know and trying to eliminate that and all the banned substances. And now here we are with another situation where it's like, okay, we've done all of this for the pitchers now, and we're helping the pitchers, but now the pitchers are using extra stuff in order to get an even bigger advantage. And now that's fucking up the hitters who are going to turn around. They're going to be like, well, of course I'm only hitting 210 this season. This guy's got, you know, some, some KY jelly sitting on the ball right now. And, uh, and, and it's like, I'm playing in wiffle ball. Yeah, man, it's a, it's a tough spot. And you know, it's tough for the game as well because it's basically strikeouts, home runs, very little contact, the shift. I mean, you got the illegal substances, the spin rate, and the shift. I mean, it's just like it's so hard to get a hit now. And uh, like you said, you can just kind of go through like the ERA leaders and you're sitting there like, 
really all these guys with this low ERA? And man, if you have a high ERA now, bro, I mean, shit, what the fuck's up with Luis Castillo, bro? <laughs> he ain't using shit, huh? Right. And he's going to, you know <laughs> what? He's all of a sudden he's going to turn it around and then everybody's going to be like, oh, what the fuck's he doing to the ball now? Right. You know, checking him for, for sandpaper and emery boards and all the other shit. And the scene in Major League where he's like, you know, he's like Bardal, Vagisil. Sometimes if the ump's watching me real close, I'll just take a little jalapeno, rub it in my nose. <laughs> I think, I think you know, I have not watched it close enough, but I'm going to watch now to see if guys go to their belt buckle. They're obviously all going in their glove. We're seeing it, their cap, their glove. So it's like, I guess uh, they're the the rosin, the sunscreen, and then whatever other substance they get out somewhere. Whatever. There's some concoction going on. I don't know exactly what it is, but uh, clearly something's going on. And, you know, it's becoming more talked about now. And we'll see what baseball does about it. It's going to be very, very interesting. Very, very interesting to see how they handle that. That's... Can't, yeah, we, I don't it's going to be a problem. And yet again, yet again, fucking you've got you've got these these fucking owners who are sitting here, billionaire owners who are whining, crying about pennies. Uh, and and that's that's more important than, than all the shit that's going on. We got the battle between unwritten rules and written rules. We've got young generation versus old generation. I mean, there's always something going on with baseball right now. That's just. Uh, it's 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 fucked up. It's really messed up, and I, I just don't really understand. I mean, how does the game recover from this? I'm listen. I'm a diehard fan, Adam, and I'm fucking sick of this shit now. It's ridiculous. I know, you know, guys like me and you, we're probably always going to be there, regardless. But it's not about us. I mean, it's the younger generation, and they're. The problem is the people who run baseball, like we're talking about this as something to be done. We have no confidence in anything working out with everything that baseball has done over the last few years. They've just done a horrible job of everything, man, from the shortened season and the negotiations with the pandemic to the DH to all this stuff. Like they just don't do anything right. No, they don't do anything right. And it's really aggravating. Like it's re- I, I just I'm, I'm I'm at a loss is really what it comes down to. I'm at a loss for this. I think that it's um, yeah, it's just it's yet another thing that's just going to continues to turn everybody off from baseball. And, you know, listen, NFL, NFL's putting a great product out there. NBA playoffs, super exciting right now. Maybe the Stanley Cup playoffs get their due. Um, I don't know. I really don't know, but. Ah, I tell you, I tell you. And it sucks because there's a lot of good young talent in baseball right now. Yeah, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Or at least we think there is. Uh, Well, Fernando Tatis, Ronald Acuna, Juan Soto, Bichette. I mean, there's a lot of good young talent. Eh, They're probably all on something now. Maybe. Who knows? I mean, uh, everyone's taking genetic enhancements. Probably, yeah. They're right? clones. That's what happened. All their their dads all went into this like experimental shit in the uh, in the nineties. Well, it hasn't right? helped Kayvon Biggio. No. <laughs> <laughs> Tatis definitely. Whatever going on, he he's remarkable, brother. People are like, I've oh, got to trade him. Got to trade him, and the dude is just 
Unbelievable. Keeps on doing it. How about Bo Bichette, too? That dude's yeah. been... He's been a you, monster. The You know, I I only have Bo Bichette in TGFBI. I guess the problem with Bichette is you needed... You know, I took him in round two. I think I had pick seven, so I started Cole Bichette. Um, so that's the thing. If you you wanted Bichette, you had to take him mid-second round in a 15-teamer, and obviously in an auction you had to spend, so it was kind of tough to get, but... Yeah, he's been pretty good. Is 11th homer um, in the nightcap of the doubleheader. And I think he hit one in the first game too, right? Yeah, him and Semyon. Semyon's been great too. You know what? I don't think people have talked about Semyon enough. And I only have him in one league. I have him in towel. I mean, the dude's eligible at second and short. He's hitting 287, 13 homers, 31 RBIs. And I think he has, what, eight stolen bases too? He's been unbelievable. You know, I, I feel like we knew this was going to like Semyon was probably one of the most underrated middle infielders in fantasy while he was with Oakland. Like he's got a power he was for years. I, I was drafting him every year. And then two, 2019 was just 33 home runs it was I mean, you can't say out of nowhere because he had 27 in 2016. But that that I think we were like, OK, well, that might not be true. And then 2020, he wasn't as good. But no, you're right. I think for years, he was he was always a guy I was always drafting every single year. Yeah, I think that um, he, he was a guy who I continuously picked up. <clears throat> and when he moved to Toronto, I was like, man, I was like, think about the ballpark shift right there. Didn't matter if, I mean, regardless of whether it was at the Rogers Center, Dunedin, Florida, Plinman fucking Buffalo, it doesn't matter. You know, for me, you know, when Semyon moved over there into joining these kids, I mean, that's that's the that's the perfect hired gun that you bring in via free agency. You know, it's like good, solid defender, power, speed combo, good clubhouse guy. Um, You put him with the youngsters who are all blossoming at this point. I mean, that's definitely a a winning move. I am. I, I wish I had more of Semyon. I have him in a, in, a, in a few leagues, but I definitely wish that I had more of him. Um, I think there were a lot of people who were very much in on him moving to Toronto as well. Um, or I just kept talking about it too much, and everybody was like, oh, Bender's going to take this fucking guy. Might as well grab him now first. Sons of bitches. Sons of bitches. Worst. That's the worst. Sons of bitches. <laughs> Oh, man. So baseball, baseball, baseball. What a black eye. Terrible, man. Let's talk some NBA here. Catch me up on what's been going on in the playoffs. Um, I know that I got to sit and watch the Laker game tonight. Um, That's going to be a a, a pivotal game. What's up with Chris Paul? Chris Paul uh, playing hurt? Is this a concern here? Are we worried now that Phoenix is not going to be able to do it? I think it is a big concern. He is playing tonight, but he's not 100%. He only played 23 minutes in game two, sat most of the second half. Coach Monty Williams just said he's not right and not looking good out there. I got to pull him. Um, Yeah, and it's going to be tough for them to win this series uh, if he's not 100%. He's been a key component of this team, one of the big reasons why this team turned around so much. And I feel really bad for him. I don't really have a rooting interest either way in this series. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's more intriguing if the Lakers advance and seeing what they can do. But, you know, Chris Paul got hurt a couple years ago with Houston when they were playing Golden State and up three games to two. And they wound up losing the series. He couldn't play. Imagine if he finished, you know, could Houston have knocked off Golden State? What could they have done? 
Chris Paul is one of the best point guards we've ever seen. And it just sucks because in these now another key spot in the playoffs, he's he got hurt. So it does suck. Um, Cameron Payne has played well for Phoenix, but it's not the same if he's out there uh, without if Chris Paul can't be 100 uh, percent. So, you know, Lakers did what they needed to do in game two. Uh, Anthony Davis stepped up big time. You know, he even said, hey, I sucked in game one and. I knew I had to come back in game two, uh, and he had 34 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. And uh, I think uh, I gave out a player prop. We'll see if he catches his rebounds and assists over 11 and a half. I thought it was kind of low. Um, so I expect him to have another big game. As I've said before, the Lakers can't win unless they get great games out of Anthony Davis and LeBron James. They need both those guys to play well. So that'll be interesting. Uh, and the Clippers, man, season on the line. I mean, they have just been dominated in the first two games. Luka Doncic, they have no answer for him. It doesn't matter who's guarding him. He had 39 points, seven rebounds, seven assists on the last game as they went into L.A. and won the first two games. And now um, they can make a big statement on Friday um, going ahead three games to zero as they got a game at home. And somehow the Clippers are favored by two. So, uh We'll see, Kawhi Leonard. Well, they should still be considered the better team overall. I mean, yeah, they've been a disappointment, but shouldn't they be considered the better team over Dallas? They've lost five straight playoff games. <laughs> I, I can mean, see the smile. I can hear the smile in your voice. I got to tell you. Hey, look, you know what? Karma comes and gets you, right? You guys tanked and like, yeah, oh, we, want, we want the four seed. Uh, we want to avoid the Lakers. And maybe part of it was, well, Dallas is an easier first matchup than Portland. And I would have agreed with that. But you know what? Sometimes you you wish for things. You wanted the coach out. It was Doc Rivers' fault. He's gone. You got your new coach. Man up, man. Stop making excuses. So we'll see. I mean, the series is not over. Maybe the Clippers come out and win four in a row. But I haven't seen any sign. I, I've been worried about this team since last year when they lost that three games to one lead. They were inconsistent throughout the season. And, you know, Luka, that's, that's a guy like, you know, NBA is about superstars, right? And that dude can carry a team. We've seen it. And he is ferocious right now with a level. I'm like, damn, like he's telling Patrick Beverly, you're too small. You're too small. You can't guard me. So he's doing his thing. And Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, went into the starting lineup recently, and he's had a big uh, first couple games. I was already looking. Uh, his three-point prop in the first two games was two and a half points. I almost wrote it up the other night. I did it. It's up to three and a half now, but at plus juice. So, and Luca, no, Luca is over three and a half points when I checked earlier, plus 130 on FanDuel Sportsbook. He's hit five threes in each of the first two games. And now he's going home. I might have to hop on that before, because by the time I write it up on Friday, you're not going to get that positive juice. So that's the one good thing about looking early. And in the playoffs, you can do it because you know these superstars are playing. And outside of a blowout, they're playing 35 to 40 minutes. And for the Clippers, you might see 41, 42 out of Kawhi Leonard. So that's something I look at with the superstars, uh, unless they're Brooklyn, because it could be a blowout. And I got burned by that the other night. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> um, all right. So where are we at now? Brooklyn. Yeah, that, that series is done. So yeah, they're up, they're up. They're up 2-0. Um, Milwaukee's already they're beating the crap out of out of Miami already. Right. Like yeah, it's 42-25, 3.45 to go in the first half. Bucks were only favored by one and a half in this game, so I think they expected the Heat to show a lot of fight. And 
Uh, Butler's got 14 of their 25 points. So um, I think I said it on this podcast already. The Bucs winning game one was the biggest victory they could ever have in overtime. If they had lost that game, they would have been so much pressure on them in game two. And mentally, they would have been like, does Miami have our number? Can we beat these guys after Miami took care of them last year? And you saw it. Game two, they were just loose. They shot five of 31 in game one from three-point range. And they just weren't missing threes in game two and just put on an offensive clinic. So I think that, you know, sometimes like, oh, one, well, that one game changed the complexion of this Bucks team mentally. I think it showed them, all right, we can do this. Big clutch shot by Chris Middleton at ease in game two. They lost game one, so much pressure. They would have been so tight in game two. So I think that game one was huge for them. And, um, you know, now I don't really see them being challenged. This Miami team is not the same as last year. You know, everything broke right for them. They were, you know, the other thing too, and I didn't think about this till late in the year, you know, the Bucs were the best team last year. They didn't have home court advantage. They were playing in the bubble. That was an advantage for Miami. You had these young players on Miami now playing in a bubble with no fans as opposed to going to Milwaukee and dealing with fans. And it's a different environment. So uh, that was a disadvantage for the Bucs last year. They bring in Drew Holiday, who obviously has been pretty good. Oh, man, he's got five assists. His prop was five and a half. I didn't play it, but I was looking at it. Um, but, yeah, I think Milwaukee should should win this series now. I, I hate counting out Jimmy Butler, Miami, but I just don't see it, man. I don't know if it'll be a sweep or five, but uh, I think I predicted Milwaukee in six, but that's not looking good right now. But we'll see. You know, still got a half to go. We saw the Knicks down 13 at the half on Wednesday night, and they came back in the second half. So maybe Miami has something, but I doubt it. This Bucks team is a little bit too much firepower. Yeah, what's your uh, what's your take on this, uh, the whole Knicks series? Aside from the fact that that, you know, Fans spitting on Trey Young need to fucking die themselves. Like, yeah, p- pathetic, man. And right? throwing popcorn like at Russell Westbrook. Like, come on, man. I, I, You know, I said that today. I was like, you know, and even, you know, listen, the popcorn with Russell Westbrook, it wasn't even a lot of popcorn. It you doesn't know? matter. It's the fact that fans do that shit. It's like disrespectful. They, yeah. And, you know, Westbrook was saying it. He's like, there's no repercussion for them. He's like, if I do it, major, you do it. You probably get suspended for a year, like all this shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, he like goes into the fans, you know, like <laughs> pulls a Ron Artest. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, so he's right. And and the, we've said it before. We've had this discussion. These fans, if you're alone on the street, you would not throw fucking popcorn in Russell Westbrook's face. You wouldn't do it. Right. You just yeah. wouldn't. If you were one-on-one with Trey Young, and I know Young's not like the biggest guy. I don't care. You wouldn't spit. You wouldn't spit at his face. So it's just ridiculous, man. I can't even believe that we're having these conversations. I don't know. What is it? Because people were inside for a year. Now they're just going to wild out the rest of the – now, oh, I'm at the arena. Let's just – it takes away, man. And the, the garden was rocking. It was phenomenal, you know, here in the crowd. But then you got two idiots who ruin it for people. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, the, the problem is, is, I mean, it's – you know, I mean, it, it looked like a young fan who uh, I didn't see the spitter. I only saw the, the the highlighted portions of the loogie. So I didn't see who the spitter was. The popcorn kid was young. Um, we saw him get escorted out, you know, as well. I mean, it's 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 like there's no I, it's it's a generational thing, I think. I really do. Now, listen, I'm not saying that I didn't do something stupid when I was, you know, when I was younger. But there, there was always a certain level of respect that you had. 
not just for athletes, but you I just for for your for your elders in general. Nowadays, it's like they don't give a shit. You know, I was reading this article about, um, you know, actors and 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 you know, famous people who you know kind of screwed themselves doing stupid things. You know, like uh, Kramer from Seinfeld. Yeah, Louis um, C.K. Yeah, well, Louis C.K. They, they, you know, I mean, listen, you know what? I mean, listen, I love Louis C.K.'s I comedy. I do too. If he whipped his dick out in front of me, I'd have been like, mm, yeah, it does look like a pig's tail. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't have reported him, though, right? No, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. No, I'm talking about like Kramer from Seinfeld. He was at the Laugh Factory. Right, yeah. I and he went on this crazy racist tirade and just dropping the N word, uh, yelling at a guy and just screaming because the dude was like heckling him. Um, and, you know, so it was like that whole thing. And then it was like, so it was like, it was like a bunch of, it was a couple of famous people who, who did certain things. And then all of a sudden it was like, then, the, then the, the whole thing turned to all of these fucking idiots from YouTube and, and Instagram and, and these, these internet personalities, um, doing shit like they, like it does, there's not a care in the world. They can do whatever they want. They can say whatever they want. They can put it out on the internet without any fucking repercussions whatsoever. And it's 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 ridiculous. It's absolutely insane to me that people do shit. Now, I mean, listen, there are there are older people who do stupid shit too. I went on a tirade about Mickey Calloway today. Right? What a fucking moron he is. But you know, I just I, I think that the, the disrespect that people show out in public is the reason why I I wish the pandemic hit harder. And 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 I'm okay not fucking going back, right? Like I'm okay with people not going back because you know, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they feel like they've been cooped up for so long, but you know, they just they they, they just don't think that fucking rules apply to them, and they can do whatever they want. And to me, dude, that's just disgusting. And I'm so happy that a I'm closer to death than I am to birth, and b I have no kids. So I'm not leaving the the planet, uh, you know, to anybody, and and I'm happy about that because people right now, society in general, dude, it sucks. No, it does. A lot of people think they can do whatever they want with no no repercussions, especially on social media, right? You're just behind a keyboard and typing stuff to people, insulting them, and they don't know who you are. You would never do that stuff to anyone's face. You just wouldn't. Terrible. Absolutely. Terrible. Oh man. But I feel I feel a little bit better that I got all that out. I don't know. I maybe, maybe. I feel like yeah, you know, I went from one tirade on the radio to a tirade here on the podcast. And then I've got to I've got to depart early here uh because I've got a recording for uh for the show getting buzzed. And something tells me I feel another tirade coming on. Here. I'm sure there will be one. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Let's let's put alcohol involved here, too, and see what happens. I didn't even know you drank alcohol. Or not that much. Right. You're not. I a, don't really. Yeah, I don't. So the, the long and the short of it was, is I I woke up in a construction dumpster when I was 27 years old in Manhattan, and realized that I had a serious problem with alcohol. Right. Um, I so I quit this, cold yeah. turkey. Um, I got a lot of support from a lot of friends of mine. Um, but you know, all my friends going out and partying and, you know, whatever in their twenties in, in New York city, you know, it's fucking New York city. 
Um, I uh, I did. I started going to uh, to a, a bunch of AA meetings, um, and I probably was uh, I was dry for I was dry completely for about five years, um, and I went to AA for just to the meetings. And I, I I told everybody, you know, I'm just you know this is what I was doing, and you know whatever. But I went to meetings for about a year, the first year, maybe two, um. Just to, you know, to, to hear the stories that, that everybody was saying, like, you know, I mean, I thought I was rock bottom waking up in a construction dumpster. Dude, there are people out there that, I mean, my heart goes out, you know, to see them recognize the, the, the problems that they've caused in their lives because of alcohol and drugs was just um, it was it was a very <laughs> pardon the pun, but it was a really sobering experience. Um and, you know, and I had a lot of a lot of conversations with my wife about it. She was, you know, a girlfriend at the time. And uh, and she helped me, you know, stay on the straight and narrow and stuff like that. And I guess we were we were out with some friends and, you know, I guess we were like it was like a, we were at a, a dinner, a special dinner for a friend of ours. And they opened up this really nice bottle of wine and, you know, and. I felt comfortable enough with the way that I had turned my life around to taste the wine. And so that's kind of where it was. I mean, every once in a while, if I have like a beer with dinner or a glass of wine with dinner, maybe. But you've seen me. I don't go out to uh, when we go to the FSGA events. I'm not out there drinking. Right. That's why. Yeah, that's why I said that. But for getting buzzed, I mean, why the hell not? You know, because, you know. Weed is not legal federally, so you know if getting buzz makes some uh, makes a little little cashish, well then the feds can step in if I'm smoking <laughs> weed on camera, and I don't want that to happen, right? Yeah, but alcohol no, that would not legal. be good. Yeah, we just have to make sure that we moderate ourselves. Well, not me, Ryan Howard, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Big plans for the weekend, buddy. Man, the weather is brutal here, bro. It's going to be raining all weekend. Um, I'm seeing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday rain. Monday looks nice. And cold, cool temperatures. It's been hot. Today was 81, but I'm seeing 63, 54, and 57 the next three days with rain. Monday, 72, so that's nice. But, um, yeah, I'm going to – had a friend who lived in the building and moved out, bought a house. So I'm going to go visit him this weekend, probably stay over for a night, hang out. We'll probably watch – basketball especially if this weather does suck like this hopefully it changes but yeah i'll be doing my you know wager alarm articles watching nba and uh maybe something pops up along the way but yeah i'll definitely be visiting a friend for at least like you know a day and then stay overnight so go there you go how about you um dude i got a puppy here now okay so you're babysitting (laughs) dude it is playing around it is insane. I told you yesterday we had to cut everything short because my wife threw a grenade into the shed. Yeah. Right. And yeah, it's um, uh, it's it's uh, it's been a, a lot of fun. But yeah, you know, I mean, whatever. It's a holiday weekend. We don't have holidays in this business. So I'll that was, I, that's the other thing. I was someone was asking me about that. They're like, so um, they're like, oh, so you're off Memorial Day? I'm like, no, Mark. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah. They're like, um, so how do people? I'm like, yeah, it's a sports radio media business. There's no days off. There's always games. Like, well, what do people do with families and kids? I'm like, oh, they just deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's 
you know, I mean, listen, that's, you know, some of the advice that, you know, when somebody's asking for, you know, what's it take to, to break into the industry and stuff. You know, one of the things that I've said constantly is you have to you have to sacrifice things. You have to understand that there are no weekends, there are no holidays. And guess what? If you're just breaking into this business, well, there's a guy like me or like Adam Ronis who's been doing this for, you know, 20 years that guess what? We we want the weekends off. So if somebody's going to be working the weekends, it's going to be the guys who, you know, brand new to the business, brand new to the industry. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I started working at Newsday, they said, oh, so you're going to work nights, Saturdays and Sundays, holidays? Yep, sure. I mean, that's that's what it takes. Yep, exactly. Whatever it takes, I'm in. I can do it. I'm happy to uh, and make it happen that way. But yeah. But I'm don't worry. Have- we'll have NFL Sundays coming up where we work all freaking day long. <laughs> right. Well, love- yeah, that's another thing that, that people don't get. You know, even to, to this day, my wife, you know, um, you know, she she doesn't understand why I can't break away for even just a little bit. Take a just come take a like an hour walk with us and the dogs, dude. No, dude, I you know me. Uh, well, I've told you this. Like I take walks every day working from home. I can't. I don't take walks on Sunday during NFL season. There's no time. You wake up, you get you get something to eat, coffee. Then it's all right. Who's in? Who's out? Wait, you know, fantasy alarm, chat before the game, answer questions, watch football, and then you know we did our podcast after the game. Uh, after the final Sunday night game. So that's just, that's a, it's like, what, a 14 hour day, 16, 15 hour day. I mean, it's just the way it is. I mean, we love it. Love watching football all day, but it does. And I let anyone know, like if I'm dating someone or a relationship, like, Hey, this is how Sundays are. So get ready. Yeah. And Sundays in September, when you also still got to deal with your MLB waivers. Oh my, yeah, (sighs) man. (laughs) At least it's only a month, but that is tough, man. Holy crap. Yeah. It was T.S. Eliot who once wrote that April is the cruelest month. Well, T.S. Eliot was not in the fantasy industry in the month of September. Certainly not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here tonight. Big thanks to everybody for liking and subscribing. Uh, Adam, I hope you have a fantastic weekend. I hope the rain staves off a little bit for you. Um, but I hope everybody has a good weekend. Make lots of money off of uh, NBA picks from Adam and, and MLB picks from me all weekend long on wageralarm.com. And as always, any questions you got for fantasy purposes or just, you know, in general, he's at Adam Ronis. I'm at Roto Buzz Guy over on the old Twitter machine. You can reach out and talk to us there. So that's going to do it for us. This has been Anti Up. I'm Howard Bender. We'll catch you next time.